Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. You're tuned into a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's coming up here shortly. A lot to cover during this bye week for Ole Miss football. No game on Saturday, but Ole Miss is coming fresh off a win, a trouncing of Vanderbilt. So while Ole Miss might be off, Talk of Champions, we roll on. But before we get to it, let me tell you about my bookie. Ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all kinds of things. But in covering sports, it's usually about who's going to win and what team they should bet on. You got LSU or Auburn this week, Ole Miss or Vanderbilt. Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. It's why I always tell people to visit my bookie. They've got the deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prize contests for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, check. College football, check. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting, making sure you're covered every step of the way. Congrats if you were one of the ones to cash in on the generous early season odds on the Lakers to win the NBA championship. Sign up at MyBookie today. And when you do, use my promo code, TOC, for Talk of Champions, TOC, to claim a deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code TOC, TOC, for Talk of Champions, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. 
You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Happy Tuesday. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Pen on Twitter. On with me is Bradley Sow, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Got a lot of questions in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Some news from Monday worrisome day for the most part Demarcus Thomas he's a freshman tight end for Ole Miss he got hurt in practice had a hit was going one-on-one I guess or maybe team stuff we don't know the details of that but went down wasn't moving got taken to Oxford Baptist Memorial in Oxford they looked at him had some movement in his extremities before he went to Memphis was airlifted though to Memphis but then the report late on Monday as I'm looking on Twitter to scroll and find this Demarcus doing well all of his medical tests came back normal. He was released from the hospital. Ole Miss physicians following up with him in the coming days for further evaluation. So that's good news. Something that was interesting that I found out, apparently this happened to DeMarcus when he was in high school. Had a hit during a game against Spanish Fort, went down, wasn't moving, and then went to the hospital. Movement returned into his extremities. So this is a worrisome thing for the kid, but thank God that he's okay. Because initially, when we got on that press conference call with Lane Kiffin, he was shook. You could tell. Scared to death by what he saw. Said to us that he called his ex-wife and his son Knox told her, I don't care if Knox never plays football again. That's something that you've seen before happen on a football field. It's no easy thing for the players that are there that are um, witnessing it happen in real time. Yeah, man. It's, it, it, unfortunately, it's a part of the game. And um, whenever it does happen, I will say this, though, it is very hard to focus after that. I don't know what year it was. I think we were down there playing Auburn one year, and it happened to a kid down there. And um, I was, I think I was at the bottom of the pile or, or right around it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a scary thing, man. It's You don't wish that upon anybody, but it's part of the game. And, um, you know, sometimes you're asked to keep playing, but it's, uh, you know, I feel for them kids because after you see that, you kind of want to take a little deep breath or, or you know, get away from it. And, um, you know, you, you start realizing what's really important in life. There was something I thought about. I understand that this is part of the game, but in practices, does this happen very often? I mean, I, I, did, I was under the assumption in college, in the NFL, yes, there is hitting in practice, especially those defensive linemen and offensive linemen. But does it happen very much? Yeah, it. Um, I, you don't see this happening much in practice. I, I, I think it's probably a little more common in college because, um, you know, the coaches they kind of they got more players. They go at it. They can have live scrimmages and stuff. And the NFL, man, I mean, it, you only got fifty something guys out there. Um, you know, sixty if you sixty something if you include the practice squads. So there's not a whole lot of live periods or anything like. That. But if I had to guess, what happened was Lane was probably letting the young guys get some reps, and 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 maybe it was a live period or whatever. Maybe they were hitting. I mean, I obviously don't know. This is just pure speculation. I, if I had to guess, if it were going to happen on a week, a bye week, I could I could see something like this happening just because I, I can see them giving the young guys some live reps or something like that. But, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it's a part of the game, and um, it's, it's a risk that you know going into it, and um, let's just hope this kid is okay. Sounds like he is going to be okay, and um, the physicians for Ole Miss, like I mentioned, are going to look after him. 
over the coming days, make sure he's okay. You never want to ever see anything like that happen, but it does scare the hell out of you about this game. And it brings into focus the absolute brutal nature of this sport. This is a tough sport. And the toughest of the tough play it. And I just, I don't know how y'all do it, man. I'm going to be honest. It's it's a brutal, brutal sport. But you think, Ben, it's just like anything else, man. It, it really does. It comes with a risk. Everybody understands the risk. And yes, that can happen to you. But there's no different than anything else in life. There's a risk with everything you do. But at the end of the day, football is a sport that teaches you so much that that can translate to, to life, you know, with, with it be, whether it be in teamwork, whether it be humility, whether it be respect. It's a game that teaches you so much. Um, you know, that there's a risk in it, but at, at the same time, it's, um, you know, you pray it doesn't happen, but I feel like that the reward of football outweighs the risk. So I would, um, you know, I'd obviously encourage my kids to play because it, you know, some things I learned in the business world are, are strictly from football and, you know, it's the mental toughness that it builds. It's, it's a, it's an unbelievable sport. So, um, yeah, you know, you hate to see stuff like that happen, but you know, you learn the game, you play it the right way. And it's and just like anything else in life, it comes with a little bit of, a little bit of risk, but there, there is a heavy reward in football as well. Fortunately for me, I have a wife and two girls that couldn't care less about football. <laughs> when you get to these kind of moments, it kind of freaks you out. Um, anyway, usually the first show of the week, at least so far during the season, has been an overreaction Monday. This is obviously Tuesday. But the game on Saturday, almost beat the brakes off of Vanderbilt. You and I were so <laughs> worked up after losing back-to-back games from Ole Miss, losing back-to-back games, um, Arkansas and Auburn. We said that we didn't think that Ole Miss was even going to have an easy week ever outside of his bye week because you just didn't know with this team. And they gave you exactly that on Saturday. That looked like the team we'd been seeing. Now, Vanderbilt is a horrible football team. We knew that Vanderbilt was bad, but this bad? I didn't expect him to be that bad. Maybe I just haven't watched them enough. They're horrible. Yeah, that was that was the most uninspired Vandy team I've ever seen. Usually Vandy, you know, the talent's out there, but usually they play really hard, and, and it's it's always a tough out. Um, I don't know if it's the COVID stuff that's really distracted that program or, or if their level of, of give a crap just, just isn't there. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a really good football team. But what it did show me, though, is that Ole Miss is much closer to the top than they are to the bottom. So, um, you know, when we, we go into that game, it's a close game. I think we're a lot closer to the bottom. But I think that it, that it more goes in line with, hey, we can compete, we can contend, you know, do, we're, we're a touchdown or so away. We're going to be, you know, in all these games down the stretch. So, I think we're much closer to the to middle to the top than we are to the bottom, which is very encouraging, um, you know, going forward. I'm kind of with you on that. And I'm tempted to say, pump the brakes. Let's take a minute. It was Vanderbilt. I can't help it, though, man. That offense, when it's humming, when it isn't beating itself, you envision this team that can win any game left on its schedule. Ole Miss is going to be in every single game the rest of the way. You got four left, yeah. South Carolina, Texas A&M, LSU and Mississippi State. It's going to be in every single game it plays. If that offense doesn't have those catastrophic plays, it's a beautiful sight to see. That's what you signed up for when you hired Lane Kiffin, the offensive genius, right? Put it in quotes if you want to, but that's what you think of Lane Kiffin when you think, I'm going to go hire this guy because he's going to bring offense. What you saw on Saturday is exactly what you would expect. Matt Corral... 90% 90% completion percentage, six touchdowns. That ties Eli Manning for the most touchdown passes in a game, in a single game, and it took Eli seven overtimes. Let's not talk about that. Against <laughs> I Arkansas. Saw, I, saw, I saw Eli's tweet. He's yeah, I love that. that. That dude's pretty funny, man. <laughs> I was in the stadium for that game. Were you there? Was that the Arkansas? Yeah. Yep, Doug Ziegler got hit on mm-hmm. the like one-yard line to lose that game. 
Oh, man. My dad used to be one of those people that if Ole Miss was about to lose, he made us leave with him. We left and went back in three times. The third time, little Ben and little Daniel, my older brother, and little Steven, my twin brother, we all said, Dad, we're just going to stay now and see what happens. <laughs> and finally, we're going back to the car. And my dad, in complete silence, finally just kind of breaks it and basically says something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was the same kind of sentiment that you're used to hearing. He's like, well, guys, you've just been introduced to Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Eli tweeting that, oh, man, that just – that hit that hit hard. Um, but six touchdown passes ties Eli for the most touchdown passes in a single game. Chad Kelly was the last Ole Miss player to account for six touchdowns in a game. Elijah Moore, he broke A.J. Brown's single game receiving record. And defensively, they continue to do what they have been doing. Being good enough. Making some plays. Creating some turnovers. Doing what they need to do to give the ball back to their offense and the offense going to score. Um, I'll I tell you what. Um... You know, and, and to be honest with you, man, Lane Kiffin took his took his foot off the pedal. Some of those stats could have been even crazier. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corral could have thrown for ten touchdowns, no joke, and Elijah Moore could have called eight of them. They they, they were doing no, they nothing. No to sl- they, they had no answer. None. None. Zero. That's what you want to see them do against a team like that. How does that adjust your expectations as far as the last four games and how many they can win? Um, I, I think that we obviously we're going to be in every one of them. I would, I would love to see us go two and two or, or at no worse than three and one down the stretch. That would really show me a lot. Um, you know, the, the sucky part about this year, man, is this is a bowl team. Ole Miss has a bowl football team. They, they, if they play their non-conference, if they play their original schedule, Ole Miss is a seven, six or seven win team. They really are. And um, that's unfortunate. We're going to get judged off of, um, you know, we play all SEC schedule. I mean, it's, it's tough to get it you know, to win a bunch, but you know, on a typical year, Ole Miss is six or seven wins this year, and everybody's freaking out with all these expectations. But Kiffin's, you know, he's obviously getting getting short at that. Three and five, this team would probably do that in the SEC. They'd go to a bowl. I think you're absolutely correct. Here's my question. Would it be a disappointment? And it's hard to say this with this team. They've let you down before. But would it be a disappointment? Knowing what we know and seeing what we've seen from Mississippi State and LSU for Ole Miss not to win those two games, it would feel a lot like Auburn. We both came out of that game thinking – this is more inexplicable than Arkansas. Yeah, they should have beaten Arkansas, but when you turn the ball over seven times, you're going to lose. Yeah, it would certainly be a disappointment. But here's there's reason to be to be skeptical because listen, you look at you look at South Carolina, they beat Auburn. You look at A and M, they beat Florida. You look at LSU, or you look at State, they beat LSU. You look at LSU, they beat South Carolina. So there's each one of those teams have shown like. Hey, they can show up and, and and win a game. They can play well. So there's no gimmies down the stretch here whatsoever. I mean, it's they're going to be tight games. But I would certainly like to see us pull it out. But if if, if we if we ended up going zero and four, I mean, these teams all have talent. They could they could certainly beat us just as easily as we can beat them. I think we got four legit, you know, um, very evenly matched up games. Even though A and M's ranked seventh, uh, I don't necessarily see it. I mean, I, I think I think that should be a really good game unless we go out to go out there to A and M and. And um, you know, struggle being being away, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think they're all winnable, and I would certainly be disappointed if we didn't win that um, the last two. I would I would trade these next two for the last two any day. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Look, just go two and two. You've accomplished your goal. You're four and six, and you're going to a bowl because that's the rule change this year. Four and six, you're going to a bowl. But Ole Miss could just as easily end up two and eight as it could end up five and five. Yeah. This team, uh, you just never know. You just never know. 
It'll be fun to follow regardless. This is a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. Again, before we jump into the mailbag, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say, as long as it's a five-star review. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. The mailbag is brought to you by Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Bell time. The nail's here. got mail special mail for you this is a letter to hollywood saying keep it up movies are great it's mailbag time i'm ben garrett he's bradley sal jumping now into the modern woman mailbag Ole Miss sports at rebel sports talk if you were given the chance to be the gm of any pro sports team who would it be and what would be your first moves uh, I think I would take over the Cowboys just so you could actually have a good team. And I would I would do anything in my power to get Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald on my D-line and Akeem Hicks. While we're make, dreaming, yeah, then give me the best at every position. No doubt, no doubt. I would take over the Cowboys. And as much as I love Dak and will die on the hill of Dak Prescott forever, considering the Cowboys' circumstances and the bad contracts they are dealing with right now, I would tank to draft Trevor Lawrence – tag Dak, trade away his rights to get more picks, and start the rebuild with a rookie dynamic quarterback on his rookie contract. Yeah, I would I would just cut Dak straight up for the clear the cap space. Oh, you're insane. Dave, <laughs> at Gunboat Dave, given the guys currently on the roster, how are y'all feeling about the wideout room going into next season? Losing more might be brutal. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a um, – I'm a little worried about that. I'm not going to lie, but um, – you know, I have confidence in Kiffin and them to, to one, develop these guys and two, to to have, you know, have bring guys in that that can that can step in there and be be serviceable. But yeah, you take more out of there. There's there's a there's some decent talent, but there isn't anybody that's really like that guy. And Ole Miss has been pretty spoiled, man. They've had um I mean they've had a pretty good run here at wide receivers at, at Ole Miss. So it, it could look really weird out there not having just an absolute dog at wide out. I'm looking at the commitments at wide receiver. Cam Brady, um, Drew Donnelly, Braylon Brown, maybe Kendrick Breedlove. He's listed as an athlete. He could be a running back or he could play defense. I'm worried about it too. Because if I were to take away Elijah Moore right now, who would you say would be then Ole Miss's number one receiver? I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. But you got to think, man. Now, given a, a Mingo and a Drummond and you know whoever else is behind them, a, another year to really get, you know, get better could, could help too you just never know i mean i don't know that would be tough and i look toward next year i want to see more out of jonathan mingo through the last four games i want to see a little bit more out of Dontario drummond 
but let's not pretend like losing all of this production from Elijah Moore isn't going to hurt or that somebody can just take over for him. There's reason why Lane Kiffin looked at this roster and looked at Elijah Moore and said, oh, yeah, I can win right now with that offense, with those offensive weapons. The tape, if you're cutting on Ole Miss football right now. Jonathan Mingo isn't wowing you right now. Nobody else is wowing you. Elijah Moore, he's getting the touches. And it all goes back to his ability as a route runner. I mean, he's next level as a route runner. I didn't think anybody would ever touch A.J. Brown as a route runner. But he's better. He might be better. I agree. Blue-collared, comma, hard-nosed at hard-nosed 15. Why isn't Elijah Moore being talked about as at least a second-round guy in the draft? I think his floor is Jamison Crowder, who I like that comp. Would like to hear Brad's opinion on this. Um, I think that Elijah, just because his size, is one of those guys that's um, – I think he could easily get into that conversation, but he's one of those guys who's going to have to really do well in pro days or a combine if they have it. Um to, to, to really kind of kind of justify what he did on film. Uh, and I, I think I think he'll have a chance to do that. I mean, if he goes out there and runs a, you know, sub 4-4, gets in there at the 4-3 range, and he has all the production he's had in SEC, I think he's he's easily one of those guys. But I think that, um, you know, the, uh, the taller, you know, more typical, you know, prototype, quote-unquote, receiver is there are the ones that get talked about first. And a guy like Elijah Moore is the, the kind of dudes that go second, third round. They come in and they and they play. They they play and they're they're super productive, but they kind of, you know, they just don't fit that um, that sexy mold, you know, of of hey, I got my you know six four burner, you know, whatever. So, but I, I think he's one of those guys who will be successful. Um, he just it's just and not to mention Ole Miss hasn't hasn't been a very winning football team. That's kind of hard. That can be hard on guys, um, you know, when when you're playing on a team that that isn't winning. It feels like NFL scouts try to find reasons to not draft players. Because remember, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, they were second-round draft picks. D.K. was the last pick in the second round. So with Elijah, they're going to pick him apart. But you keep coming back to the route-running ability and how that will play, how that will translate. And that could overcome maybe a size issue a team might have. It only takes one team, one team, to really love a player to go get him. So I could see Elijah very easily being in the second round. Dave, at Gunboat Dave, how much of Corral's credit is due to Elijah Moore and should we pump the brakes on our expectations for Corral next season? No, I mean I think it goes hand in hand, man. It's really quarterback's a tough position. You can't you can't say a quarterback's good only because of receivers. I mean that's that's very rare. The, the quarterback is is kind of a standalone kind of deal, man. I mean if that were the case, then you know John Rice would be would be equal to Matt Corral too. But um, you know it's just it's just one of those things. I mean it, it certainly helps to have Elijah Moore, but if you don't have a guy that can throw it to him, I promise you it. it a receiver struggles with that, and you can look at look at it across the board. Anytime a, a good quarterback is lost, most really good receivers' productions go down quite a bit. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. I'm with you 100. percent What should the expectations for Matt Corral be next year, assuming he returns? Which I think at this point is far more likely than not to happen. Yeah, Matt Corral be back next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that he, he just keeps going from where you know where he's at now. I mean, he just keep getting better and better. Which um, you would think if he if he gets better, you know, through this year. He should be he should be one of the top top five, if not the one of the, the probably the best quarterback in college football next year. Um, you know, j- just assuming that that his trajectory still goes going up. So, um, yeah, I mean he 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 would he would be he'd be very beneficial to, to come back for him. My whole opinion about next year is Ole Miss will go, and it sounds simple, and you're going to roll your eyes and go, well, of course, but think about it really. I think as Matt Corral goes next year, so goes Ole Miss. It will be the Matt Corral show. Everything will be about Matt Corral. I mean, if he gets a full off season, he's working hard. 
Um, I mean, no telling how much better he can get too. I mean, you think this year he didn't really get that off season to kind of, I mean, I'm sure most of the team was still looking at John Rice as the leader, you know, before they really got dug too far into the offense. So, I mean, you get him a whole off season, people have seen him ball already. They kind of got that respect for him. He kind of takes over leadership role and then it's, um, you know, they should be humming next year at the start of next year. Eric Dice at coach Eric Dice. I know Ole Miss has had some ridiculously productive and big time wide receivers through the years, but with Elijah Moore doing what he's doing, do you think by the end of the year, he's the best ever? Um, I mean, it'd be hard to argue. I mean, it really would be. Um, he's, he's definitely, he just produces when he's out there at, at a, at a different kind of clip. So, um, he's definitely in the argument. Obviously Ole Miss has had, uh, had a, had quite a few good receivers. Um, it, 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 as far as the Ole Miss history books go, he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the, one of the better ones ever. Statistically. Yes. Would you take him over AJ Brown? Mm, I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're so different. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're, they're both very good. It's hard to pick one of those guys. I, I, I would, I would say I, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I really would. A.J. Brown, for me, will always be the best Ole Miss wide receiver. Yes, while Elijah Moore will statistically be better, A.J. Brown was a chameleon as a wide receiver. He started on the outside, then Ole Miss had injuries. He moved inside, then Ole Miss had injuries again. He moved back outside, and all he did was produce. Every opposing defense knew A.J. Brown was getting the ball, and it didn't matter. Now, the same thing's happening with Elijah Moore, but this offense is built to put up these kind of numbers. Video game numbers. What kind of production would A.J. Brown put up in this offense? Would you take yeah, Elijah Moore over Dante Moncrief? Probably. Would you take Elijah Moore over Laquan Treadwell? Remember, Laquan in college, before he got hurt, was as dominant as a wide receiver can be. 50-50 ball, he was always going to win. So would you take Elijah Moore over peak Laquan Treadwell? I probably would. He's a better route runner. Another thing is, you know, you like I think you nailed it when you said that that we haven't. You know, I would like to see the other guys in this offense, man. I mean, AJ Brown would. I mean, no telling what his numbers would be. He would have a gazillion <laughs> catches. I mean, he, he would be just as unguardable as more. Um, but yeah, that cert, certainly AJ Brown would be an absolute animal in this. So yeah, it's kind of hard to compare when when you see that um, you know certain guys are being utilized different. Statistically, yeah, he's gonna be. But I know how much you love DK Metcalf. DK couldn't stay healthy at Ole Miss. That's the only thing that held him back. Would you take Elijah Moore over DK? How are you evaluating best ever? Is it best ever talent or is it best ever production? And then when it comes to best ever production, you've got to consider the offenses in which these players were playing in. Phil Longo absolutely shit the bed. So it comes back to the offenses they're playing in, and then you go individual player to individual player. If I said, Brad, you got to pick one, Elijah Moore, DK Metcalf, who are you taking? And just overall, I mean, listen, I, yeah. I was, my thing with DK is I've, I've, I literally saw that talent from, from day one with him. And no I always have, even when he was in high school, I always thought he was the best, you know, the, the best player out there. So I, I've always really, really liked him from day one. I, I knew that he couldn't, um, you know, he had trouble staying healthy or whatever, but even through all that, when he was injured, whatever, I always thought he was the best athlete out there by far the best receiver. So um, I'm not surprised by what he's doing. I'm really not. I know a lot of people are like, man, this guy took NFL by storm, but I was, I, I never forget. I was texting scouts or whatever, whenever he was dropping the draft, I'm like, they're messing up. They're judging this I'm kid the off. Same off, way. Off, I, I saw it too. They're, yeah. they're judging him off some, some lateral drills. And I'm telling you, if he stays healthy, he's, he's next level. He's, he's Terrell Owens type athlete, if not better. So um, yeah, I, I've always, I've always been really high on that kid. 
And also, we're not putting respect on Shea Hodges' name. Again, this always happens to Shea. Listen, here's, here's the problem with Shea. Shea is one of the best athletes I've ever seen. If the ball's in the air, Shea Hodges was getting it. Shea Hodges did not play in any kind of offense like these other guys have played. And listen, Shea mm-hmm. Hodges played in a pro-style a pro drop back. Like the, he, if Shea Hodge were to play next year with the same talent he had, he would be in this conversation about for Mike Wallace. Look at who's covering Mike Wallace in this offense. These guys, those guys in the past had to earn those yards, man. I mean, they were, they were two tight ends, fullback, you know, one-on-one outside. I mean, that trust me, that was a much different game. You can't even, those dudes, they're just as good as any of these guys. They just, they were not like this offense now is a, is a O-line too. I mean, it, it, it would be tough. Some of these guys would, would have struggled back in the day playing O-line with, with the offense that we were in. So it was much more pro style than, than what they get to deal with now. So Elijah's numbers get inflated because of this offense. That's not a knock against him, but his numbers are inflated because of the offense that he plays in. Overall around the league, I mean, that's just it is what it is. The game's just changed. I yeah, mean, it's, exactly. It's a, so best it's a ever, style of ball. probably not. I'm, I'm never going to put anybody over A.J. Brown. I'm just not. But could you make a case to me easily for top five? Yes, yes. Maybe top three. But A.J. Brown, if we're going pure talent, A.J. and D.K., I mean, I'd put Elijah over Laquan now. Just put it this way, Ben. If you're naming your top five, you're probably naming guys within the last three or four years, five mm-hmm. years. Yeah. It, it, it almost history. It, and it's it's solely because of the way they looked in these offenses. I mean, there's been great receivers before, but but that's just the game has changed. So, yeah, Mike Wallace. It, yeah, I mean, if, if you're if you're listing top five receivers, you probably don't go much farther than back than Mike Wallace and, and Shea Hodge. Maybe, um, I mean, Chris Collins, something. You maybe, but it's still those guys never produced like this because they they weren't in the spread offense where they could they could really get a, a ton of a ton of looks at it. We didn't really answer the question, but that's the best you could do. Those those conversations are so tough, man. That's why you just got to appreciate the greatness for what it is. I hate the comparison or I hate the constant debate about Michael Jordan and LeBron. Just appreciate the greatness for what it is. There are so many different things that go into the GOAT conversation because you have to contextualize the numbers. Eddie at Eddie underscore Jackson. Throwback, what was the deal with Brandon Bolden and Houston Nutt? Averaged six yards per carry in 2010 and only got a touch over 13 carries a game. Should have been a 20-carry guy. He was 24 yards from 1,000 that year, and he was a great receiving back. I always felt there was something off. Yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the deal was with him and Nutt. I don't know if they they didn't hit it off or what. I, if I if I remember correctly, we had a um, you know another couple backs there as well, and um, but yeah, I mean Brandon Bowen proved himself over over his career in the NFL, and he'll still be playing next year after he opts back in. But um, Brandon Bowen was, was an incredible athlete. Um, I, I honestly, now you talk about a guy that could have been a stud on defense. There, you ever watch any of the Ole Miss, old Ole Miss clips? He made every tackle and special teams whenever they put him in there. So um, that's why I'm not surprised he's had such a long career and being such a special team stud. Brandon Bowen is just a phenomenal athlete. He probably would have been one of the best safeties in the nation or something had they put him over there. Everybody knows BB's a friend. Love the guy to death. He was in the circle of untrustables with Houston Nutt. Alabama week, they had a tutoring session, him and a couple of other players. They had to go to the tutoring session. It's required. But Houston, Nutt, there was a um, failure of communication. Somebody messed up as far as telling Nutt what was going on, and they missed practice or part of practice. And he suspended them. And that pissed BB off. And him and Houston, Nutt, they were at odds about a lot of things after that. And as that season started to fall apart, well, BB, he checked out. He'll tell you that. He checked out. 
a lot of y'all guys checked out. That was a disaster of a season. And during a practice week, him and Nut were at odds so bad, he said screw it one day and just went fishing. So a lot of that had to do with a failure to communicate and also the season spiraling like it did. And after Houston Nut was fired, when you fire a coach and you announce the firing of the coach, you don't let him keep coaching. Because I remember going to practices after Houston Nutt had been fired. And y'all were just going through the friggin' motions, man. And I don't blame you. I'm not blaming y'all at all. But that's why you got to put an interim coach in place to keep the team playing, keep the team pushing forward. And the reason why Ole Miss didn't put Gunnar Brewer as the interim, and you all know where this is going. He was the most obvious candidate to be the interim head coach. But there was such a concern locally that Gunner would have y'all playing in a way there'd be so much local pressure to make Gunner the full-time head coach. Because there was no doubt that Dog Brewer was campaigning for Gunner to not only be the interim, but once he became the interim, and if he made them competitive enough to become the full-time head coach. But it proved disastrous for the end of that season and just the overall atmosphere amongst that program when they decided to let Houston not keep coaching. Because no one cared. That season, man, that that is the season that I mean, if one thing in my sports career that I, I regret or I, um, you know, or, am, I, am I the saltiest about is, is that last year because that almost means a lot to me. It means a lot to my family and to, and to be a part of a team that was just so shitty. I mean, I, I still struggle to think about that season, man. We were so bad at, at everything. I mean, whenever whenever Nut got fired down the stretch, it was. I mean, I, I hate that the school that I love was. Um, you know, went through that. I really do, but I'm, but I'm glad it led to better days. And, um, yeah, that's, that's one of those seasons, man. That, that was really hard for me. I, I would never forget. I freaking, <clears throat> I was one of those players who's a huge Ole Miss fan. So I'd be in my locker crying after games when we'd lose and stuff. I mean, it's just like being a kid, but now I'm playing for the team. So, um, yeah, that season, man, that, that just thinking back on those last two years, that's just, I hate that Ole Miss was in in that place as a program. And I, and I had always dreamed of being, you know, junior, senior year, you know, having Ole Miss um, being a part of a, of a really solid program and, and take them to bowl games and stuff because of the the two years we went to the Cotton Bowl were great, but I was hoping to keep that going and we were just so shorthanded. Um, you know, we had two two redshirt seniors my my last year and that's just I, I hate it. I hate it that happened and I wish there was something I could have done a little bit better at the time. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuel's Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Celebrate. Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at alansamuelsoxford.com. 
or see them in person. Socially distance, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Stay safe, enjoy some football, and make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. TD, at a true rebel underscore 99. Would you be surprised if Lane Kiffin bolts for Texas next year? Also, how fast will it be, in your opinion, until Mississippi State as a whole, fan base, administration, wants Mike Leach gone? Um, as far as Kiffin goes, if he went to Texas, I know I would not be shocked because of, of, of the, the immense pressure and the amount of money that they have. Um yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I definitely do not want that to happen, but that is that has definitely made me made me worry just because the kind of um, excitement he brings. Texas, one of those programs that they are really hungry for some for some excitement or, or you know to get back on track. So I mean, I, I pray that doesn't happen. I, you know, I'd like to see him stick around and and you know get us get us back relevant. And then if he wants to do something, you know, I get it. But um, yeah, I'd like to at least before he leaves, put Ole Miss in good hands if he does. Um, as far as Mike Leach goes, this is kind of his MO, man. He comes into these programs, he blows them up, and then he somehow, <laughs> comes, he, he somehow comes out to seven, eight winning team, and then all of a sudden they're con- competing. So um, this is this is typical Mike Leach. So he'll be there a while. Yeah, but you can already tell there's some angst in that fan base. We said this earlier in the year Texas should be a concern. That's why, if you're an Ole Miss fan, Texas winning this weekend, getting the upset, keep rooting for that. Keep rooting for that because there's no doubt if Texas decides to make a move, they're going for a splash. And if Lane Kiffin, let's say he wins out this year, who do you think everybody in college football is going to be talking about? I'm with you. I mean, it, just seeing what if he was able to take an Ole Miss team that was, you know, shorthanded recruiting, a win in the SEC, obviously, whenever. But what we need to do, if they do leave them, they, they need to do everything they can to keep Jeff Levy in this, in this um, program, period. So, He's next man up, in my opinion. If if Kiffin were to leave after one year, which I don't think is going to happen, but if it did, um, they need to turn right to Jeff Lebby and say, "Hey, you and Corral, y'all got this." Um, he would be the next man in line if, if I were running the show. Dan Edney, MD at Dan Edney, MD. What's the possibility of you two reminding the jumbotron guys that Bobby Massey is still in the NFL and needs to be included when they project the rebels in the NFL during home games? My OCD is being aggravated. I got you, Dan. I'm with you. Bob's a friend of the program. I'll take care of that. David at OLM Stead Inc. If Matt Luke was still the coach, why are we doing this? Okay. If Matt Luke was still the coach, what's Ole Miss's record and who's the starting quarterback? 
I mean, I think if, obviously that that kind of answers itself. If Luke's still the coach, I'm sure Rich Rod's still here. I'm sure John Rice is still the quarterback. Um, Record-wise, I mean, it's it, it's hard to tell because you know, I do. I, I think there's only one game where where Luke Med did better, and that's the Arkansas game because I think John Rice would have ran ran wild on them. Um, you know, the, the drop eight wouldn't even, you wouldn't have known anything about that. It wouldn't have been talking about that because they would have had a ch- no chance to even intercept a pass. So that's the one game I think we may would play a little better in. But then, yeah, there's it, it's it would be more of the you know the same. It'd be more of the same that than just kind of how it is now. To be honest with you, except maybe maybe a little little less excitement. More from David. If Moorhead was still the coach at State, what's their record and who starts for them at quarterback? I mean, honestly, I don't pay much attention to State to even know. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> Garrett Schrader would be their starting quarterback. Their record would probably be about the same. Maybe a little better, but State's been a disaster. I will say this, though. That, that running back would be would be yeah. would have a lot of yards, and he would be, you know, he'd be an actual threat to, to teams. So Now Kylie Hill has opted out. I mean, that's unbelievable, man. I mean, I, that, that, that to me is shocking how – Leach is if Leach is that kind of guy where he doesn't even care. I mean, this, that dude was one I thought was the best running back in the SEC. Um, pretty darn good player, and they just didn't give him any carries. Just basically let him walk out of there. So, one thing Mike Leach better do is he better win because this ain't the Pac-12, whatever people in Mississippi and the SEC, they don't play that. You, I mean, he better have a good plan if you're going to let your the best running back in the SEC just walk out of a program because you don't get many of those. I'm with you 100 percent on that, man. That, for me, is the most fireable thing Mike Leach has done all year. Kylan Hill, I'm with you. Best running back in the SEC. You feed that guy. I know that Mike Leach's MO is he passes, passes, and then passes some more. But Kylan Hill, that's a no-doubt NFL running back. And you didn't give him the ball, and you ran him off. That's just I almost. Nuts. I almost wish Kylan, if you're listening, if you're listening out there, I should doubt he is. Dude, just stay one year, come transfer here, and let's just run Mike Leach over. Like, you can hoist the egg bowl in a Rebel uniform. Let's do it. Oh, he's going pro, and he's going to be awesome. KJ underscore the underscore Rebel at John KJ McCollum. Two questions. Number one, will Elijah Moore go pro after the season? I'll answer that, yes. Number two, if so, who will step up in the slot next season? Um, I know everybody's hoping it's John Rice, but I don't think that's going to be the no, case. No. Um, secondly, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. Like, like I said, like we said earlier in the, on the program that, um, you know, I, I just don't know who's going to be that guy. I'm, I'm hoping somebody steps up. Maybe a Mingo has a big, a big jump, a Drummond. Drummond's really not a slot type of guy. Um, you know, maybe there's somebody behind them that, um, that they like that, that, you know, just isn't getting to play right now because more so good. Um, we'll see. I mean, a full off season will certainly help figure that out and, and help us find a guy. And let's hope that if there's a transfers out there, you know, that, um, I, I'm more than confident Kiffin and staff will have us, have us some good receivers. I mean, with this offense, you got to think like they're going to have some good receivers in there, right? Like that's what they're built on is throwing the crap out of the ball and, um, you know, getting it downfield. Certainly they're, they're not just going to roll, roll some average guys out there. So I feel pretty confident they're going to bring some people in there. I think the best on roster candidate is Dennis Jackson. But if you made me guess and put the best odds on what will happen when this one-time penalty-free transfer goes into effect in January, he's going to go find somebody. Or three. Yeah, or three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Galen Martin Music at GM Crutches. Brad, given how much better our offense works against a base-slash-man defense, why would any team not drop eight on every single play against us? 
Um, that's actually a good question, but I will say this: Vandy did so. So Vandy's base is not obviously a drop eight, uh, three down. Um, they got in drop eight or the the little three down deal that Arkansas does, and Jerry on Ely ran it to the house on them. And I think Mason saw like, okay, like maybe we don't have the ability to get in three down and and still stop the run. So um, it was a penalty on the play, which is a bullshit penalty. Um, James certainly that was a good block. Don't worry, buddy. It happens to the best of them. Um, but yeah, that the one time they got in that that kind of drop eight three down, Ely went to the house on him, and I think that was about all she wrote on that. That that's how you get people out of it. Michael Bullock at M Bullock seventy seven. He's got three questions. Number one, how optimistic are y'all that Ole Miss will finish the season five and five or six and four? Um, I mean, I'm I'm I feel really good about having a chance to do that. I don't know that it's gonna necessarily it's gonna be it's gonna be the same. It's gonna be back to reality. We, you know, we're back to the Ole Miss is going to be in the game in the fourth quarter um, with a chance to win it. Can we win a game? That's that's really – I mean, I'm excited to get to get the chance to watch Ole Miss try to do that because I think that they will be in every game going down the stretch. So um, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how we finish. I'm not sitting here going, hey, we're going to lose any of these games coming up. I think that um, we're going to have a chance to win all of them. I messed up my math earlier when I said Ole Miss has just as much a chance to go 2-8 and eight as 5-5. Five and five. I meant 6-4. and four. I am not particularly optimistic – seeing what we've seen out of Ole Miss against comparable teams, that they're going to win every single one of them. There's going to be another, not Arkansas, but Auburn, where you leave it going, golly, man, they should have won that game. I think two and two is more than reasonable to expect. I think they're going four and six. And if I'd have told every single one of you before the year, Ole Miss is going to go four and six in this 10-game All-SEC schedule, you'll say, yes, I'll take it right now. And Ole Miss will go to a bowl. I'm not particularly optimistic that Ole Miss is going six and four. If they do go six and four, Lane Kiffin will be the story of college football. We all know what the discussion is with Clemson and Trevor Lawrence. We all know what the discussion is with Alabama. It's the same old, same old. Lane Kiffin will be the talk of college football if Ole Miss wins out and finishes 6-4. and four. If they go 6-4 and four, with the way Lane is, you know, the, the kind of excitement he brings, we'll get a better bowl than we should uh-huh. if, yep. if that's the case. We'll, we'll find ourselves in a much better bowl because because bowls got free range this year. There's only a 10-game schedule. They can get who's the best team. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't find ourselves in a much better bowl than just an average bowl at that point. Think about this. If you're a bowl rep and you had free reign to do what you wanted to do, would you want Georgia, if they missed the playoff, their fans, are they going to travel to the Cap 1 Bowl? Or do you want 6-4 and four Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin? Fans starved to go to a game. Hadn't been to a bowl game since 2016. Ole Miss, outside of the teams, if they finish 6-4, and four, outside of the teams that go to the playoffs, would be the most desirable team for bowl reps. I'm with you. Pack, pack the stands. I mean, that's, there's nothing better than a team who's, who's been bad for a couple of years and they all of a sudden get a, a really good bowl game. I saw that with the, with the Cotton Bowl team. I mean, that was, that was insane. I mean, Ole Miss was um, – they were packing those – I mean, it was, it was a cool feel those weeks, man. They, they packed the stands and, and the town. And Lane Kiffin sells himself. He himself is a selling point. Matt Corral, Ole Miss offensively, the fan base, and Lane Kiffin. Ole Miss would be the third most desirable team if two teams went to the playoff. Ole Miss would be the third most desirable team at 6-4. and four. Number two for Michael Bullock. Outside of Moore and Yeboah, what would you grade the wideouts so far this season? I would say pretty average, man. I mean, they, um, you know, Moore and Yeboah obviously have produced pretty well for them and so have the running backs. But um, outside of that, they're, they're still kind of searching who's the true number two. We thought it was Mingo after the Kentucky game. Um, he really has, you know, kind of leveled out a little bit. He's got talent. You can see it there. Drummond, same way. They're really, really pretty average. I mean, a lot to be desired there. B. 
minus maybe for me, C plus. C plus all the yeah, way. Yeah. Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah have been covering up a lot of different things that I got issue with. Not with the scheme. The scheme has been perfect. It's just the players stepping up and taking ownership. Question number three, do you think we could see a potential three-back rotation the rest of the season with Ely, Snoop, and Henry? Speaking of Henry Parrish, he looked good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so, man. It's going to be hard to, to get those get to get Henry, you know, carries. I mean, I could, yeah, it cer- certainly could happen, but um, I mean, you got to think, man. We were playing Bandy there pretty bad. Henry had some had some decent. He showed some flashes, but it's going to be hard to get the ball out of Snoop in, in Ely's hand. I mean, it's just it's just not going to happen. It really isn't. So, um, look, look for Parrish next year. He's he's a sleeper for the slot. Oh, I like that. But you're exactly right. There's only one ball. And are you really going to take away snaps or carries from Jerry on Ely and Snoop just to give them Henry Parrish? No. But I love that idea. Damn. Henry Parrish, slot wide receiver. I dig it. Here's another one for you. Mark Britt. We haven't seen Mark Britt. We all thought he was going to be playing safety. No. Oh, no. And that, that's what's going to help. Having that spring next year where they can really kind of interchange some talent and see what um, – yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like that, um, you know, dominated in the slaughter or, or, or turned out to be a pretty good little weapon for us. That's what they didn't have this year. They didn't have time to um, to really, you know, kind of interchange all the pieces and see what what can go where. So I, I look for. I really hope they get to have a, you know off season and, and you know for a full go at it because I think it will it will look even better next year. Hotty toddy at Jenny underscore Moyer, muse on what you imagine Kiffin's biggest career goals might be. Speculate. And where he might go after Ole Miss, what would his dream job be? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know him personally, and you know, very well to to know what where what states you like. But but one thing you got to realize is every player, every coach, they have places that they really like to be. And I don't know what that is for Kiffin. Um, you know, me personally, I know I would I was always um, you know, I'd love to live in Arizona. So I, I mean, I would I would always love to to do stuff there. And um, when it, that was basically from playing with the Cardinals. So. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, everybody has a place that, that they'd like to be or, or something that maybe a school he went to or whatever. But, um, yeah, there, there's no telling. I mean, they, he could end up anywhere. It's hard to think about that or hard to project that because Lane Kiffin has not stayed anywhere longer than, what, three years? Yeah. He loves Cali. He loves Florida. I don't know what his overall career aspirations are. His dream job was Southern Cal. And look at what's happened to Southern Cal after Lane Kiffin. Brody Clayton, at Brody Allen. If you could add any fictional movie football player to this Ole Miss football team, who would it be and why? Um, I guess, I, I guess I'm going to go back to the Little Giants. I made a reference there. I, I would take Spike from the Little Giants. We need some defense, man. Oh, my God. You went to Spike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, I was going to talk about some Friday Night Light characters, but that's way funnier. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. When, when uh, Rick Moranis shows up at their house and he's carrying a refrigerator on his back and then his dad says <laughs> something like, give me 20, and like slaps his hand against the... Correct. Yeah, then Spike starts doing pull-ups. Oh, my God. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> Kenneth Collins at RebelFan68. I really feel like Vandy could win on Saturday. What is your prediction for Vandy, Mississippi State? Um, listen, it, Vandy's pretty bad, man. I think Mississippi state's going to get them. I really do. But, um, if that game's tight, then I'll know that they're, they're both just laying in bed right there on the bottom of the sec. And that, that would actually be really fun to watch. 
I'm with you, but there's no way. I think Vandy's just that bad. They're horrible. I think State's going to beat the crap out of them. Chase Wallace at Coach underscore Wallace. How many wins will it take to get to a bowl, any bowl? I'm starving for a bowl trip in this crazy season. Cody Richardson, longtime listener of Talk of Champions, actually answered this perfectly. All NCAA schools are already bowl eligible. It'll be based on the API index this season due to COVID. So an 0-10 team could get into a bowl. Will it? Probably not. But if Ole Miss finishes four and six, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that um, if Ole Miss can get to three, they got a good shot just because of Lane Kiffin and and the Ole Miss offense. I mean, think about this: you want to see Ole Miss in the bowl or some small school that won six games because they're you know playing very bad people. So um, uh, Ole Miss will have a shot. I'm telling you, if they, they can just get one one more win, they'll have a shot. If they get two, they're a shoe in. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg after the Vandy game. Do you feel somewhat comfortable in saying Ole Miss has a chance to win three, four games to finish the year, possibly even hold their own against A&M? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll have a chance to win all of them. Um, I really do. I don't, I don't see any reason to think that we can. It's going to, it's just going to be just get ready. It's going to be just like the, the, all the games so far this year, it's going to come down to the, to the fourth quarter. And, um, that does this Vandy win give us some some confidence? Um, you know, to be able to actually pull the game off at the end. I don't know, but um, we'll see. And you know, at some point, the we've got to turn the corner, and um, you know, we'll definitely get the opportunity down the stretch to do so. I don't think you could take anything away from the Vandy game, but I will say it was exactly what you wanted to see Ole Miss do: beat the crap out of Vandy, leave no doubt, going into your bye week because that helps you. I'm with Brad; they can win any game left on their schedule. I don't think they will. Um, I think there's going to be another Auburn befuddled as to why they lost that game, but I still think they win can, two of their last four. Can you explain to me how Vandy and A&M played a 17-12 to 12 I game? I have no idea. No idea. The SEC in general this year is not very good. That's why we were so optimistic, even though Ole Miss was 1-2 and two or whatever it was, 1-3. and three. We were so optimistic because we thought Ole Miss offensively had the ability to beat the crap out of any of these teams if it was on – for that particular day had almost beaten Vanderbilt and Matt Crow maybe was a little shaky or there were some things you could pick apart. I maybe wouldn't feel this way, but they were putting up video game numbers. That's what you do when you're playing PlayStation. You know, you pick the directional school just to get an easy win and just to inflate the numbers. He completed 90% of his passes for six touchdowns. That's the game you play in video games just to make sure that your quarterback for your team gets in the Heisman conversation. That's the only reason why you play that game. Otherwise, you're simulating it. And Ole Miss did that against Vanderbilt. Six touchdowns. Elijah Moore breaking the single game record for receiving. That's exactly what you needed to see from Ole Miss going into its bye week because now you're back to where you were originally before the ugliness of Arkansas and Auburn happened to where you say, oh, yeah, they can beat anybody they got left on the schedule. I still think they go two and two because I think there's going to be another game like Auburn. DSU underscore rep at DSU underscore rep. With only two games on defense, Miles Battle has three tackles and three pass deflections. Could he become one of the better DBs by the end of the year? Yeah, I, I, I sorry, he, he has the tools to do it. He really does. He has his unbelievable size, and um, you know he showed a lot of it's about wanting to. He's a great athlete, and if he wants to switch position because he wants to get on the field and he wants to play, um, you know he he can certainly be successful at it. You and I spent a good chunk of a show last week talking about Miles Battle, and we laughed about it afterwards. I am no longer laughing. I'm going out on the limb. He's the next Ken Lucas. Wow. Converted wide receiver, was doing nothing at wide receiver, went to cornerback, found his home, and took off. I'm going for it. Miles Battle, pull out the gloves, 
the oven mitts, hot take, Miles Battle, the next Ken Lucas. Boom. There we go. Write it down. Lock it in. Kid looks good. That size, that length, that speed. NFL scouts are going to be all over that. No question. No question. Bryant Trotter, at Bryant Trotter. Did the can opener slash alien slash shark thing get COVID and permanently quarantine? That thing has thankfully been MIA. He's talking about the old Miss Shark mascot. Yeah, where has that <laughs> thing been? I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, and seen. I don't know if it, it can mascots not travel. Hopefully. I'm going to find this out now. Man, you have piqued my curiosity. I've been wanting a redesign of this shark ever since they unveiled this shark. It needs to change. It looks terrible. The former creative team had visions of this mascot being like the NBA mascots, where they could have the flexibility because of the suit to do backflips off of trampolines at basketball games and stuff. Here's a problem with that. Those NBA mascots are professionals, and they're paid really well to do what they do. You've got kids in this shark mascot. So just roll out a fluffy, happy-go-lucky shark, and let's be done with this. That lizard is absolutely terrible. Oh, my God. I mean, look, I was not a hater of the bear. I just wasn't. I was a hater of the process that led to the bear. It felt preordained. But the bear was fine. He did what he was supposed to do. He's a child's plaything. But the bear was never going to work because of the process, and there was so much pushback, and he was the mascot that came after Colonel Reb. I get it. But this shark was foolproof. Me and Forty actually laid out this plan well before it was ever even thought of that Ole Miss would roll out a shark mascot. We talked about it on this podcast. We talked about the uh, connection with Tony Fine, all the things they could do with it. It was foolproof. And then you rolled out a lizard that honestly just looks like a muscle-bound penis. Oh, <laughs> uh, I man, I guess he's, he's better than Admiral Akbar. So. Admiral Akbar would have been <laughs> awesome. See, this is the thing. Brad and I are different in our interests. Y'all all know by listening to me for a long time, I love Star Wars. I loved Game of Thrones before they absolutely wrecked it in the final season. I love Harry Potter. I'm not ashamed. I love Lord of the Rings. So Admiral Akbar, that's something that would have brought you national attention, would have been funny, and everybody would have been on, in on the joke. The bear, it was what it was. But the shark is an absolutely awful mascot. The Listen, concept why, is why? right. The execution is terrible. What's wrong with the colonel, man? I mean, listen, just redress him. Just put him in a different outfit, a more buddy, modern outfit. Put him in buddy, some skinny jeans and let's roll. It's 2020. You knew that, skinny jeans, though. God. <laughs> oh, no, just put him in like a frat suit, you know? Don't I'm, even, I'm don't even call him. The, I'm in the minority that I, I, I could care less about that. I mean, yeah, as long, I I mean it's, it's a child's play thing. Dave, at Gunboat Dave. Can you elaborate on the JRP transfer conversations and where they're currently at, if not totally understand? I don't think they're really anywhere. I think they just kind of are what they are. I don't think there's any definitive decision that's been made. If you made me guess right now, he's going to transfer because he wants to be a quarterback. If he didn't have eyes for being a quarterback forever, he would be trying other positions. He'd want to be on the field at other positions. He could help Ole Miss on defense. Wide receiver Tyler Knight, Miles Battle, they're proving that. But he's still playing quarterback. I don't know any update, if that's what you're asking for, about whether or not he's going to transfer. If you made me guess, he's going to leave. It seems pretty obvious, but I don't know that. Hayden at TuckDaddy94. This year's team versus the 2012 team, who wins and what's the final score? Man, that's really tough. I think the game could have potentially been a 60-60 to game. 
I definitely think that that we, we our defense now would not have stopped stopped that that all the offense. Um, no, I'm with you. And the thing is, that defense had some dogs. Mike Hilton, Sinquez Golson was a sophomore. Trey Elston was a freshman. Cody Pruitt was a sophomore. Mike Mary, Joel Kite, Bird, Channing Ward was a freshman. C.J. Johnson was a sophomore. Isaac Gross was a freshman. Woody Hamilton still in the NFL. You, you know what that that brings me to a weird point. I guess Coach Nutt was was a decent recruiter on. I mean, not bad compared to um, defensively. No, no, no. Yeah, what I mean, sank Houston Nutt more than anything was his own hubris, and also Nick Brazel not being able to rein in Nick Brazel and Tig Barksdale. South Panola was a big reason why Houston Nutt failed. But it, more than anything, it's because Houston Nutt sucks. Oh, we're not going to say anything about Houston Nutt. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to check. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to let you go to the next question. I'm not even going to go there. No, all right, all right, cool. Um, but to answer your question, Hayden, the 2012 team is pretty close. I think uh, they win 41 to 34. That defense is underrated in 2012. They're seven and six. They went to a bowl, but th- listen though, that that team. I'm telling you, this whole team is seven and six or seven and six, whatever, or seven and whatever team as well. We just don't have the same non-conference games. So. It's just the defense. <laughs> the defense compares. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, the defense for sure. Justin Bush at Bush Justin D. Ole Miss question: What are the odds Arch comes to Ole Miss? Please, I have no idea. I think Ole Miss has as good a chance as any of the other main favorite contenders if there are main favorite contenders for a 14 year old if you made me put odds on it right now i would say Ole miss has the best odds but i would not feel confident putting my money down on Ole miss he's 14 what are the odds just as good as anybody else's maybe a little bit better braves question should the braves try to sign bauer or resign ozuna resign ozuna what you need is a charlie morton not necessarily John Lester, but an Adam Wainwright. That makes some sense. Give me two veteran starters that can come in and compete for that fifth spot. That could take over for number four if Kyle Wright's terrible. I wouldn't put all that money into Trevor Bauer. Marcelo Zuna means that much to your offense. Because who are you going to replace him with? Another one-year guy? You're going to trade for Chris Bryant for $20 million for a year? He was terrible last year. You're going to go out there and sign Jock Peterson? He's a platoon bat. Resign Marcelo Zuna. How about Lance Lynn? I'd love to see him for the Braves. I would too. I thought the Braves were going to trade for him at the deadline, but the Rangers being dumb, they're not a winning team. You've got one player with value right now. Why are you holding on to him? You're not going to contend next year. Get some value now while you can, but instead they held on to him because nobody met that exorbitant asking price at the trade deadline. I thought Lance Lynn was going to be a Brave. I was going to be excited. I was going to get credentialed. I was going to go to Atlanta. I was going to do the whole thing. Lance Lynn, he's still a Ranger. It's ridiculous. Barrett Ramia, at Barrett Ramia, where will Plumlee be playing at next year? If it's Ole Miss, is it still at quarterback? If it's Ole Miss, no, it's not at quarterback. Where will he be playing? Auburn? Florida? I don't know. I don't know. He did He did go up to Gus and say something after the game. I don't know if any Ole Miss people saw that. but he, he, ran, he, 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 ran, he ran up to Gus. If you look at it after the game, he said something to him. So, um, I don't know. That's actually a good, good call on your part. Maybe Georgia. Matt Luke's at Georgia. I don't think it'll be Ole Miss. Beham Ole Miss Club at Beham Rebel Club. Who is playing in the Ole Miss Men's Basketball Invitational this month? Ole Miss, Central Arkansas, Arkansas State, and Jackson State. Dates, November 25th through the 27th or 8th. Predictions this year, um, 22 wins in the NCAA tournament. 
Steve Mayo, at Stephen P. Mayo. If JRP is going to transfer, why play him and not Dent, Tisdale, and Renfro? Because I still think that um, Lane would prefer to keep him. So if you're trying to keep him, you play him, or at least keep him somewhat pacified so that you could potentially hold on to him. That's the only reasoning I can come up with for playing him. Grant Tisdale, he's done. He's not ever going to play. But right now, the true number two is John Rice Plumley. I don't know if the number two moving forward, like the number two for next year, is even on the roster right now. I think that guy's Luke Altmaier. But JRP, if you're trying to keep him on the roster, you got to pacify him so you play him. Jacob Robertson at Roach Robertson. Who had the higher ceiling, Greg Hardy or Robert Kimdichi? Greg Hardy, it wasn't even close. You're insane. <laughs> ben, Greg Hardy doesn't get in trouble. He's a $100 million guy. He went to the NFL and had led the NFL in sacks one year almost. Dude doesn't get in trouble. He is still one of the best defensive ends in football. He is. No, I'm with you. I'm with he you. found it. Dude, it, it, that's, not, that's not even close. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's not even close. Greg Hardy was a dog in the NFL, an absolute no, dog. He you. got it together there for a little while, and he was a he was a high sack guy, and that is hard to do in the NFL, very hard. I'm with you, but from a starting point, it was Rob. He was the number one recruit in the country. It but here's the thing: that the only argument you have with Rob is athleticism, and Greg Hardy was just as athletic, if not more athletic than Rob. Seriously, Greg Hardy could have been one of the greatest of all time. No joke. He but was Rob six, could have too six, if Rob six. would just have cared about football. Yeah, I mean, it's dude, I don't know. I just I saw a guy do it in the NFL, be a Pro Bowler, and that's I mean that is and, oh, and great. It, it wasn't like Greg. It wasn't like Greg was just this this balls to the wall, hardworking guy. I mean, he was sheer talent. He finally put it together there for the NFL. Him and Alden Smith to me mm-hmm. are two guys that that could have easily been still on the top of the charts, 100-plus million-dollar guys. Greg Hardy was unreal in the NFL for a little while. He was out there tearing folks up, and he was he was a real problem. I hate that happened for him, but, I mean, it's – I mean, that it's dude, self-created, though, so. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. It, 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 that, them two guys, man, they were they – were, when that, when, that one season when it was Quinn, Alden Smith, um, Greg Hardy, those dudes were – they were on another level. Rob was supposed to become a monster. Now, he was awesome, but he wasn't the dominant generational, once-in-a-lifetime type of guy that everyone thought he was going to be. And that had to do with he had interest outside of football that he valued more than football. Yeah, I mean, he is what he is. He was a five-star recruit, number one player in the nation, had a lot of talent. He was a good college football player. He was good. He he was hyped up because of where where he was ranked and stuff. I mean, it's just is what it is. He's a, he's a good football player, but he it, it didn't it didn't work for him. It's 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 he's not the first one that's ever happened to man. I mean, he's he that he was a very good college football player. He was not on Greg Hardy's level. Lee Ellenberg at Lee Ellenberg status of our kicking game extra points and field goals same as it ever was. It's Luke Logan. He's the best option. So if they can avoid kicking, they will. And Clark Downing at Ann Clark D. Have Ely and Plumlee spent any time at Swayze this fall? Yeah, they're getting their cuts in, Ely especially. I, I don't know particularly about Plumlee, but Ely I know has been over there a couple of times during the week doing the same thing they did last year, which is taking BP. And they're not participating in fall ball, but they're getting their cuts in when they can. Paul Mahan at Uncle Paul Mahan. What are the odds that we go for two after every touchdown next weekend against USC? I think actually the odds are a little better now after watching Luke Logan against Vanderbilt that they go for two after every touchdown next week. Sure. Yeah, I, I can see it. 
Tim Thomas at TA Thomas 43 basketball schedule. Supposed to be released this week, I think. At the latest, early next week. They're just waiting on the SEC schedule. Beham Ole Miss Club at Beham Rebel Club. Project the men's basketball starting five. Um, Devontae Schuler at point guard. Demencio Vaughn at two. Luis Rodriguez at the three. KJ Buffin at the four. Romello White at the five. But that doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter who the starters are. Jarkel Joyner is going to play just as much as Devontae Schuler. Hadeem C is going to get tons of minutes. Matthew Morrell, Austin Crowley. Jarkel and Devontae are pretty much mirror images of each other as far as how they play. So that's my projected starting five, but it's going to change. It's going to change regularly, so I wouldn't get locked in on it. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after we hear briefly from BNA Bank, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Free Scrap Sack at Free Scrap Sack. What a ridiculous Twitter name. I know Vandy is terrible, but your thoughts on the play calling this weekend, do you think bringing in Plumlee in critical situations is over? Um, I mean, yeah, I think that it's it's been over. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the Matt Crouch show. At Lard underscore zero four, as good as our offensive staff is, it still baffles me that JRP isn't played more all over the field. Why? Possible injury? No. Doesn't want to. No. Would love to see a good power die from him occasionally. Could also see him blitzing from outside linebacker a time or two on third down. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to whether or not he wants to. I mean, it's hard to tell what the staff's plan is for him. Um, you know, obviously people don't get to go out to practice and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's it's a kind of a John Rice thing in between him and Kiffin. And, it, it, you know, they're really not telling anything. Um you know, Onyx. I mean, he's obviously posting pictures with him on, on Twitter and all kinds of stuff. So who knows what's being said in there between those two? I think the haze in the barn. I think the kid's leaving. I think he considers himself only a quarterback. Um, I don't think they're even going to entertain a position change because Kevin's going to do right by the kid, let him play the position he thinks he belongs at, and that will continue and he'll stay there. And it is what it is. He's going to transfer at the end of the year. Now, that's purely my speculation. I'm not reporting that he's leaving. I'm just simply saying that's my read of it. Um, you let him play when there's opportunity. But the reason why he's not being tried to other positions is because, first of all, when he came in, when they tried to do that, it slowed the offense down. It did. If you try to shoehorn the kid in, it doesn't work. So if he's only a quarterback, you play him when you can. You treat the kid with dignity and respect. And once he decides to leave, you say, hey, man, best of luck. That's the way it works. Yep, absolutely. I'm with you on that. Corey Clark at Corey underscore Clark underscore 91. Just watch the boys on Amazon. If you could pick any power to have that isn't an overused cliche like super speed or strength, what power would you choose? I'll let you have that one, Ben. I have no clue what he's Invisibility. About. Invisibility. That's like the deadliest thing you can do. BJ Smith at BW Smith 3. What is one preseason prediction or thoughts you made about this team that proved true and one you wish you could walk back? Um, I mean, everybody knows I was, I was all on JRP. I really was, um, you know, based off what I saw before, um, I, I just thought that Corral was going to be too, um, 
you know, too loose with the ball. I thought his, his body language was, um, you know, a little bit immature at times. Um, but I mean, you know, everybody grows up, everybody gets better. Everybody learns. Um, he's what, certainly one of those kids who, um, who developed over, over the year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I'd have gave him a little more credit, but I could only go off what I saw on the film and, um, yeah, he's, he's smaller. He's pretty good. When I wish I could walk back any discussion at all about who the starting quarterback was going to be or should be. Any conversation, we had all those different podcasts about this, quote, quarterback battle. No, 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 no. This was the Matt Corral show. They were playing coy. They were playing possum. Matt Corral won this very early. We were all talking and talking and talking. We were giving Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, the shrewd gamesman that he is, exactly what he wanted. Teams thinking that there was some quarterback battle, that there was two guys. It could be one or the other. you got to prepare for both. It was always Matt Corral's show. Far and away the best quarterback option. And Lane Kiffin and Steph, they knew that early. And I wish I could walk that back. All those conversations. John Caleb Wilson at John Caleb Wilson. What's next year's record? Who will be considered the number one quarterback in the SEC? Um, I, I certainly think Ole Miss is, is no worse than six or seven wins next year. Um, you know, assuming we add we add the right pieces. And, um, yeah, obviously we get a normal season with a normal schedule. Um, I certainly think that that we'll have a chance to um, to, to to really play well, and with Matt Corral obviously is going to be back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look forward. I look forward to us to have a have a really good year. Is he the number one quarterback in the SEC? Because I think so. Yeah, he he will be coming next year. I mean, the uh, the Jones kid's gone, right? Um, yeah. uh, other, other than that, I mean, I don't see anybody else quite um, quite being the guy like like Matt. Tyler Layer at Layer Tyler is Dan Mullen trying to build a fun but also really good program too, or is he just getting weird? He's just being Dan Mullen, the hill that he is, the wrestling hill that he is. Cheap heat doesn't matter. Heat gets attention. You're talking about him. This is what Dan Mullen does. He's always played the hill, and he's good at it. Yeah, this is it's more of the typical. I mean, he's he did the same stuff in Mississippi State, except people don't really pay attention to Mississippi State. So now he's at Florida. He gets a little more of a stage. Yeah, exactly. Remember when he walked in after beating Ole Miss with a cigar in his mouth and talking all that? This, this is who he is. He just gets to do it on a bigger stage. Back then, he just played it to a local level because that's all he could really do at Mississippi State. He was limited, but now he's got a national stage in which to do this stuff. So he's playing up the whole hill persona to the nth degree. I'm all for it, man. I think Dan Mullen's a piece of crap, but I don't care. This is what you do. Any attention... People talking about you like, oh, man, I hate that guy. Oh, Dan Mullen, what a prick. He's over there grinning. And there are players out there, recruits out there, that absolutely love that stuff. It's all a part of the plan. And it works. BJ Smith at Smith 3 Favorite game day adult beverage and snack slash food? Um, I'm always pizza, man. I like some kind of good pizza. I think it's probably because I was in – I am Italian one and two. I was in Chicago where there was really good pizza, so – um, when I'm not playing football, I, I like to, you know, some kind of pizza or something like that. Maybe maybe a little OB spread, too. I got to give it a little shout-out to OBs. I love some OBs. My favorite drink is beer, uh, food. Yeah, I'm pizza. Potato skins. Some wings will work. Shout-out to Coop. BJ Smith, last one, at BW Smith 3. Baby backs or spare ribs? I don't know. I'm not a rib guy. I'm not. I, Me I mean, either. Me either. Yeah, I'm not. 
I'm not a huge rib guy unless I mean I've had a couple couple good ones. I mean maybe some big beef ones or something, but yeah, I'm not. PJ, you're one of my boys. I love you to death. I hate ribs. Hate them. Disgust me. Don't get it twisted. I love me some barbecue. Ribs suck. I will die on that hill just as I'll die on the hill that Dak Prescott is the top five quarterback in the NFL. Ribs are terrible. They're the worst. Man, man, why don't we give some some person who thinks he cooks the best rib a chance to change our mind at some point? So if there's anybody in the area okay. right. that wants to change our mind on ribs, that we may have the Talk of Champions rib contest at some point. I'm all for see that. Make a change our mind. No I know doubt. my boy BJ, he makes ribs. So anybody out there, hey, look, Greg at LB's, convince me that ribs are good. If you want to have that, if you want to get it done, we'll make a show of it. We'll video it. Me and Brad will sit down with ribs. We both hate them and we'll go for it. I'm down for it. Yep. I just don't believe anybody in the area that thinks they give the best ribs. Let's we'll have the, the talk of champions rib contest and we'll record it and we will give you our, it'll almost be like the barstool pizza review. We'll do a rib review. I'm down. And we'll see, we'll see what, who has the best ribs. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that in the works. I refuse to believe that there's a rib out there that I'll like. But I will try every single one of them. Ben Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of two four seven Sports. Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, is going to be the guest. On Thursday's Talk of Champions, Ole Miss Fall Ball is happening right now, so we'll get a baseball update, and uh, we'll talk about some other stuff. See you then, buddy. Yep, hotty toddy, Ben. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.